swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts today, TJ and Raj. Hey there. So today we have a deviation from our rankings. And it is, how do I want to put this, like methodical. We're doing this on purpose because Zach is in Colorado. I got the COVID, so we couldn't do it over the weekend. We were going to stash a couple right before Zach left for a vacation and then just release them. But, uh, you know, my voice went to shit. My brain was soup. Uh, you know, it it just didn't make sense. So what we're going to do today in the spirit of like, you know, top tens and and rankings and, and all that kind of thing, we want to talk about ADP values, risks, reaches, and busts. Guys that, uh, you know, going into draft season, we, we've we been collecting these Monday mock ADPs all through the off season. We finally have Yahoo ADP as well. So we've put all of those together, the Monday mocks, the Yahoo ADP, we've combined them. We've seen you know, what an average draft position is from skilled, full, no auto drafters in Monday mocks. And we've combined it with Yahoo, which anybody that's been in a Yahoo mock knows that after round four, people start to disappear. You know, it's a lot of auto drafts and you'd be lucky to get a full mock. So there's a lot of just ranking padding and all that kind of thing. So we're still taking that into account because that's what most people are going to be drafting on. That's what we got planned for you today. So we're we're gonna be talking a bunch of like, you know, ADP values slash sleepers, uh, some risky players that uh, you know inherently carry risk, and then busts guys that we just don't like at their ADP that are going way too high. That we think you should either fade them, put them on your do not draft list, let somebody else deal with them at their ADP cost. So we're five hole fantasy hockey. You can find us on Twitter at FHF Hockey. You can join the fantasy hockey Discord as draft season is ramping up. And one last thing, we're recording on Sunday night. Uh, today, Monday, the 29th, it is the deadline for Five Hole Listener League. So if you want to get in there, let me know as soon as possible. You can get, do that on Twitter, in the Discord, or just sub to the Patreon and inbox me in there. There's a $2 a month if you're in the US, $3 a month if you're in Canada. All those proceeds go to charity, and we want to do something good at the same time. So let's have some fun. All right, so let's get into it. I want to start off with some ADP values, guys that we that we like. You know, this really should be the hook maybe at the end, but values, risks, reaches and busts in that order just sounded so fluent. I got five guys here. Actually, you know what? I've talked plenty. You go first. Well, my list of 4 is about 23 people long, so I'll try to pick pick my favorites. <laughs> this is just this is my favorite thing to do. Like I love looking at uh you know, ADPs and trying to predict value. I mean, that's kind of the whole game. So we've been talking about, you've been talking about, uh, especially on Twitter lately, like what, what part of fantasy is most important, whether it is the draft or, or, you know, whether it's your draft position or whether it's your whatever, what's the magic number. And I mean, there's no doubt that predicting value and, and drafting well is, is obviously a huge part so yeah, I, I just love this part. But my favorite guy, I think, 
I don't think he's a huge secret, but I, I seem to be a little higher on than most. I know you and Zach are into him as well as Mar- Marsh so, Jonathan Marsh mm. so. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, in, in the five-hole leagues. We've talked plenty about him, so we've hyped him up quite a bit in our excitement about him mainly playing with Jack Eichel, if that happens, because they did spend some pretty good quality time together. Eichel's two most common line mates were Dadnov and Marcheseau. And you yeah. figure Dadnov's, you know, he's in Montreal now, that stone <laughs> spot. So it just, it makes sense. And I think uh, Bruce Cassidy has already said that he wants to split up the misfit line. So yeah. anybody out there that's saying if Marcheseau is going to be on Eichel's line, I think we can rest easy. It's it's going to happen. It makes all kinds of sense for that to go that way. You know, it just, it's already worked. And I just, you know, call it a hunch, but I think Dadnod uh, leaving that line is going to be okay. I think they'll be fine without Dadnov. Um, <laughs> if they get Mark Stone instead of Dadnov, I think they'll they should it's be able to handle they should be able to handle that. Off topic, off topic here a little bit too is uh, they just added Phil Kessel. Yeah, sure. Who, did, yes. You know, is he, the man is chiseled out of adamantium. He is the healthiest specimen in hockey. He's the Iron Man, right? Mark Stone is not. He is uh, injury prone. So when Stone does go down. You got Kessel right there. The best ability is availability. And right there. There's your right wing. No, I love that, man. I absolutely love it. And Vegas being Vegas, they're going to totally play up all of his like upcoming accomplishments, right? He's about to hit the thousand games. He's about to probably become the Iron Man, all that. I think Vegas is really going to ham that up. I love Phil Kessel, Phil Kessel in, in that context as kind of a, a cartoon, but... Yeah, Marsha, so he's uh, he's dope. He's going at about 99 overall, 99.3625. You know, a decent way into the draft. We talk, we've we talked about him for a couple of years as our favorite 10th round pick, basically. Yeah, um, and that's where he's going in Yahoo. He's 109. Yeah, so, I mean, even after us hyping him up on the show a bunch, we've got in our five-hole drafts, he's up to about 99th. So even even with that, Still a great value, and adding a ten million dollar center just it it can't hurt. I I think you'd call it a little bit of a slight risk, but I don't think so because even when the team was going to shit last year with all the injuries and all the internal weirdness with the goalies and all that, Marcheseau still popped thirty goals and two hundred and fifty shots. His hits were down, but I I can't see him being a bad pick, especially when you're talking a hundredth overall, essentially, right? Like you're not going to lose value on that. The stage is essentially set for him to have a career year. I mean, the power play is going to be killer. And we haven't even started to talk about Bruce Cassidy and what he's going to shape this team. Like Marcheseau at his core is a 25, 30 goal scorer with, you know, 35 ish, 30 to 35 assists. So just him as a template, he's like a 60 to 65 guy. Eichel right there with him, you know, somebody that we've heralded as a as a point per game kind of guy coming off his injury, getting a full season, uh, you know, full off season to be healthy and get used to things and, and get back into shape. Bruce Cassidy, from his time in Boston, we know he doesn't do a 50-50 split power play like we've seen in Vegas for since they've been in the league. And he's he's not going to be afraid to put that top line out for, you know, a considerable amount more time than the other lines. You know, there's been a little bit of rolling here and there. The Tom and Ice doesn't really cascade down as much. 
But I think Bruce Cassidy is going to lean on his top guys a little bit more. I see parallels with Mark Stone and Patrice Bergeron, two Selkie level guys that he's going to lean on. Uh, a top power play that's going to see 70-ish percent of the time. All these things on top of a 65-point template next to Jack Eichel, next to Mark Stone in the 10th round. It's honestly, that recipe is, sounds good. Sounds yummy. I like it a lot. And I mean, if, I mean, we're generally talking about points leagues, but if you're in a categories leagues, Marsha Silva is, is perfect because of his shot volume and his, I mean, that he had a, a low year of 60 hits. So, I mean, he's, he's usually more, a lot more than that, but fantastic in all, pretty much all leagues, I think. I'm going to kick her off with Miro Heiskanen here, man. I think the ADP has not factored in the possibility of Miro Heiskanen running a power play by like that that's his show now you know he was a 40 he's been a 40 point guy for the longest time with decent shots decent hits decent blocks really good time on ice but the power play 11 power play points is his career high we've seen uh john klingberg you know 18 20 21 that's been his if you just copy paste those extra 10 power play points we're looking at a 52 point guy now I'm not saying that you can just do that, but the the opportunity that he's going to have in Dallas this year, and what makes me worried is Pete DeBoer, because all of the good things that we're talking about with Bruce Cassidy going into Vegas, all those things that he's changing, all those bad things that he's making good, are the bad things that are going into Dallas. So, you know, maybe there's a fi- I I just I can't think of a second power play that would that has enough firepower that you could have out there for 50% of the time. I can't think of a power play two quarterback. You know, maybe it's Ryan Suter. Maybe it's Essel Lindell. You know, maybe Thomas Harley does really come out swinging, but uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of maybes. And I think we're going to get from Miro Heiskanen, you know, 60, 70% of the power play share, and we're going to get 20 power play points. We're going to get a little more time on ice for those shots to go up, to hit some blocks, to hit a, you know, reasonable, number that we're actually looking at him from an ADP of ADP of 93 in five whole leagues, a hundred in Yahoo. Uh, so like right around 95 ish all day, that level 50 point defenseman in the ninth round, right before you go and you get yourself a Jonathan March. So that's a good way to set yourself up in the back half of the draft, especially if, if, you know, D starts fading a little bit, Mir Heiskanen should absolutely be on your radar in the ninth round. If he's still there. I'm looking at if uh, the possibility for 50 points here from a defenseman, maybe even more like that. That seems like the floor at this point, like the forties has been his floor, but now I think it's fifties. I absolutely love him this year. Like, and they, like you were saying, they have a pretty clear, great top power play. So I think contrary to, you know, even ice time and all this kind of shit. It seems like if they go Pavelski, Hints, Sagan, Robertson, Heiskanen, that is a tight power play. Like that's really kind of got a bit of what you need at every position. And then the second power play is a huge, huge drop off. It's crazy. Like you cannot justify having them out there for 45% of your power play time. You just can't. No. Even so if you're Pete DeBoer. That's going to be huge. And I just think the direction of the team isn't so veteran-y 
anymore. So like having a young guy like Heisken and to be on the ice way more often at five on five with like Robertson and these faster younger guys <coughs> and Pavelski. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm that's going to tie into my next pick as well. But I think overall, I love the potential in Dallas, but I think it's pretty solid potential. Like I, I think most of it's proven at this point and uh, I don't see any reason why Heiskanen wouldn't live up to what we've all thought for quite a while. Like, but he's another one of those guys who he he was such a kid, right? Like he came in young, and he's been everyone's kind of wanted a lot from him, and uh, he's just kind of getting into where this the timing might be really good. I, I really like that. And you look at some of their their top players, Rupi Hints. Jason Robertson, Robertson, his power play points, you know, we were talking about Heisken in 11 as a high 21 for Robertson hints was at 24 Pavelski. Like the, these are the types of numbers that we're going to have that Heisken is going to start getting 25 power play points for Pavelski. That's going to be the realm that Heisken is starting to live in. Like if he does everything he does and gets the top power play, he's getting those points. That's it. But, there's no Klingberg there. So the, the time on ice share is going to need to go up as well. The necessity to lean on your number one guy is going to be there. It wouldn't surprise me to see 55 points from the guy. Yeah, no, I'm uh, 100% on board with uh, with all that. Who's your next value? Well, right along the same lines, on the same power play is, is Tyler Sagan, actually. Um He's going at 144 in hours, so that's like that's the end of the 12th round you're looking at. Even later in Yahoo, he's at 165. So yeah, I mean you're talking like 12th round picks. Like y- you can end up dropping those guys, and it's fine. So um, even with the way things went last year and his his slow comeback and all that, he still had 24 goals. He had almost a hundred hits too, so like he he's he's putting in some some all round contributions. Two hundred and eighteen shots is less than you'd like to see from him. Like you know, we kind of expect him to be one of the the big shooters, but like we've said, you know, time and time again, you know, he's he's had a year to come back, a year to get back into things. A lot more exciting to have a guy like Heiskin, and now that he's gonna be good again with Robertson there, like when he was good before Robertson wasn't there, like he didn't, he didn't have that, that guy hints wasn't there. So he's coming into potentially a whole different team. And yeah, I think that's, it's pretty fair to, to give him that year. People also seem to get a little overly excited about Sagan. Like at his best, he's around a high seventies to low 80 point, like around point per game was his pretty much his best. Right. So, I think if you're getting him in that like late twelfth round kind of thing, and expecting like mid sixties to mid seventies points, that's great. Yeah, and the fact that he's been a fifty-ish point guy for three years running, the same time in those three years, his power play percentage has been under sixty percent. And if we do see that power play go back up to sixty percent, those totals are going to follow suit. The caveat here is that his best years we're seeing 20 minutes plus which does not happen when your top line doesn't have tyler sagan on it so the ceiling is a bit capped you're not getting those 80 point games anymore or those 80 point seasons anymore but the the 70 point seasons like you you know you're talking about here that's possible he's coming off a hip injury 
And that usually takes about a year to get better. This is that year. And if we're talking about getting a right wing center, right wing in uh, the 12th round, it's hard not to call that a value. At 12, that's uh, I think that's I think that's cool. You don't feel too bad about dropping him, but I just can't see him being sh- like actually shitty. You know, I think he is more of a 25 to 30 goal, probably 65 point guy. And I'm fine with that. All right. I'm ready for my next guy. I got uh, Dylan Larkin here. Dylan Larkin had a uh, actually had the quietest, best year of his career. 80 point pace, highest point per game. Just in the back of my mind, I felt like he didn't have a great season. We were all focused on other things in Detroit last year, right? I had a great rookie action that was happening. So, yeah, I, I totally overlooked the fact that he, he actually did play pretty well. So I'm even more excited about him. Yeah, the fact that there's, number one, there were so many people coming into Detroit, and then you got, you know, Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider. Larkin kind of falls into that background a little bit, and you forget about him and his ADP. In our drafts, people are not fading him. He's going uh, 80. But in Yahoo, he's going 66 picks later uh, at 146. So if you're in the Yahoo platform, you're going to get this guy, what's that, 13th round, something like that. Like That's that's pretty good. We're talking about double-digit round guys here. Heiskanen in the 9th, Marchessault in the 10th, <laughs> you know, Sagan in the 12th, and then we're looking at Larkin in the 13th. We're, we're building a back half of the draft here with all these values. Dylan Larkin is also in a contract year, which, you know, there there hasn't been studies done on it, but there is that uh, there is that certain hype about guys that are in their contract years that uh, they play a little bit harder. And with all this supporting cast with David Perron on the power play, the third best power play points producer per 60 over the last three years, only behind McDavid, Dreisaitl. That on your power play is going to be a big boost to his 13 power play points that he had last year. Big boost. So 80-point pace last year, only 13 power play points. It might be a mistake to copy and paste these stats in because last time he had a, a season like this, he disappointed. But uh, last time he had a season like this, they didn't get better over the offseason. So, uh, you know, in the 13th round, I'm really willing to take a bet on Dylan Larkin as, I mean, fucking 0.97 points per game last year something that i'm that i'm definitely looking at if i can if i can even think about getting close to 150 like he's going in yahoo right now yeah that's excellent another guy who's he's disappointed enough people over the last couple of years that uh he's he's getting way overlooked it's gone sour the whole team around him's gotten better in in an exciting way it's not like they added like workhorse kind of veteran guys. I mean, they did that too, but they have like, you're like, shit, we've got one of the best young, well, the best young defenseman going. We've got, um, you know, Raymond, you got like guys like Perron, you got better goaltending. Like, it's a pretty exciting environment. So I think he could realistically be feeling pretty rejuvenated, I think. Yeah, and, and I don't think that's that's something that you can really understate is this team has been bad for quite some time pretty much since Datsuk left. Now Stevie Y has put a stamp of approval like, hey, we're we're pushing forward. We're working our way out of this this rebuild now. So, you know, you know, coupled that with uh just that vote of confidence, you know, is is going to play in Larkin's favor. I'm all right with him in the 13th round. I think I think that's serious value if you can find him just kind of crawling around in the 13th. Yeah, absolutely. Another team where their power play is going to be pretty pretty fun and uh, pretty dedicated to 
a core group of five guys, I think. So, And I think something you brought up, which is going to be huge, adding Perron to the power play. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's quite good. Quite good on the power play. Speaking of teams that got better, I mean, I would almost... I wouldn't say risky, but I, I really like uh, Shabbat. It's hard not to. He gets undervalued every draft. He does <laughs> pretty much every every draft. I mean, another guy where it's a huge disparity between, you know, people who listen to our show and then Yahoo. Because um, in our five-hole leagues, he's going at 67th, which I still think is a good value. Much improved team, especially offensively. Yahoo, uh, his ADP is 113, basically 114. Yeah, almost 50, 50 picks later, almost. Yeah, so, I mean, g- there's a good chance that that's a, where you're going to be finding him is, you know, in and above 100. So I think that's an excellent place. I mean, he's got another another guy who's got all these young players getting better, new players brought in. I mean, the one thing they don't have is anyone to really challenge him. You know, he's he's put in the time and earned the number one D spot on that team and put in the time like that's that's putting it lightly even <laughs> exactly like think think about the things that make Shabbat great is the fact that he's out there all the time collecting stats left and right and left and right he's going to be out there all the time with all of the improved people that Ottawa put together this year he's going to be on the power play with the Brinkhead with potentially Giroux like all these things add up for Shabbat Absolutely. And I, I mean, think it's probably a good idea if his minutes come, you know, it sounds weird to say, but if they come down to like 26 a night kind of thing would be pretty. <laughs> it's pretty insane good. to say that. But I mean, you think about that. I mean, he gets, he hits 30 minutes. Like it's not weird to see Thomas Shabbat has played 30 plus minutes tonight. So yeah, I think his time overall is going to be a little easier. He's passing to actual players now. He's got like legitimate Young studs, but that Debrinket's huge. Chiru's huge. All, all around, I just think every aspect of his game is um, is going to come to fruition all at once here. So I'm really high on him. And just um, some people, again, some people know about him for sure. A lot of them in our listener leagues. But particularly outside of that, it seems like people are not paying attention to Shabbat. So definitely, definitely keep him in your queue. Before I move on to my next guy, I wanted to uh, highlight who is directly below Thomas Shabbat in the ADP. It's Connor Hellebuck. Two years ago, he was a top three goaltender. You know, obviously things in Winnipeg aren't going so well, but what we do have is a volume goalie, a true volume goalie going at a similar ADP close to 100. And this is in Yahoo too, where goalies are going way higher than they are in in our five-hole leagues. Um and what I like about Hellebuck is is purely volume. So if you're in like a categories leagues with wins and saves and save percentage, that's that's a volume league. If you if you see Hellebuck out there, just a real quick uh, value play on that one. My next guy is Clayton Keller, who's going at an ADP of 124 in five hole leagues and 142. So there's an 18 pick disparity, but I think in both cases you're getting value. There's a right-wing bonus with Clayton Keller, and not many people like to touch Arizona, despite the fact that Keller came really, really close to point per game last year with only 11 power play points, 77-point pace, put up 63 points in 67 games. Turned it on 
like crazy in the second half too. What did he have? He had uh, 28 points in 20 games and then added another two in his final six. So we're looking at 30 points in his final 26 games over a point per game to finish the season. Yeah, he went 20 points in 20 games the, the quarter before that. So he had 13 and 21 the rest of the season. He was over point per game or at point per game. This is a right wing. You're getting late. Right wings dry up fast. Clayton Keller, you know, not much happened in Arizona. Not much happened. They lost Phil Kessel, which take that for what you will on the power play. But, you know, what what what, what you're going to hear, what the narrative around Keller in Arizona is going to be, well, there's there's nobody there to play with. There wasn't last year either. And Clayton Keller still put up 77 points. They don't really have a center. Nick Schmaltz is going to do Nick Schmaltz stuff, which, you know, depending on what month it is, is either really great or kind of boring. But Clayton Keller was was consistent last year. For him to go close to point per game again, I think is a fair enough bet. You know, his his three-year average is only 60 points. But you're looking at, what, what was that, 150 ADP? If you can get 60 points for actually like 130. So, you know, we're, we're talking about the 11th round again. Um, I, you know, in the back half of the draft, I've gotten him as late, I think, as like 14 or 15, which I thought was tremendous value at that point, especially when, when right wing dries up the way it does. Keep an eye out for Keller. Do. Yeah, I definitely fall into the category of avoiding Arizona uh, yeah. just by not good reasons. Usually it's just like, ah, Arizona, fuck no. But, yeah, um, and it's as easy as that. Like, that's exactly what goes through the mind of somebody that sees Clayton Keller and then just keeps on scrolling. For sure. And um, as a result, they're often a great source of streamers. And yeah, uh, he could definitely be worth a worth a value pick for sure and i mean if he's going to return somewhere around point per game you know it, it what's what's funny right like you're talking to we're talking about him going super late and being 70 to a point per game kind of situation you, you're pretty much saying the same thing about elias Pettersson, right like yeah realistically that's not that much of a leap so i think and where, where's Pedersen going he's going in like the sixth round, fifth round, yeah. And he's a center. Exactly. So, so. It's a great point. Great point. So, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys where I know I have to personally bite down when I see Arizona, but there's there's definitely going to be some good picks in the, in the mullet arena. Oh, yeah. I fucking love that. There's going to be great. some – they're going to have great T-shirts, if nothing else. I'm almost upset that Kessel moved on the year they named it the mullet arena imagine that all right buddy you're up um i got a kind of a double get two birds stoned together here get two birds stoned at once calgary has changed to say the least they had like what a lot of people said was the best line in hockey and most of it's gone but maybe in a weird way got better so Calgary's really interesting so on the whole here i'm looking at Uyghur, Mackenzie Uyghur. Um, who could potentially run the power play. Like They've tried so many guys running the power play, and nobody's really done it. Having said that, Uyghur's never really done it either, but he yeah. didn't really have the opportunity. Obviously, they have a great power play quarterback in Florida, so he, just, he wasn't needed to do it. So I'm certain they'll give him a shot at it. So if he gets some time there, 
that's a huge, huge bonus. But even so, the the top six is so good there. Um, he's going to end up playing with a lot of good minutes on a pretty exciting team. And now they kind of have a little bit of a like a little bit of a fuck you to them now that they two hundred point guys essentially didn't want to be there, or at least that's a narrative they can play, right? So. Um, you bring in Kadri, who's a bit of a douche <laughs> himself, <laughs> and um, Huberto is like, you know, I've been I've been putting up hundred points a year over here, getting zero respect, and you ship me out for all in all. I think Calgary is really exciting, so I think um, Uyghur is a good uh, good potential pick. He's going at about one hundred and two. You're not a huge risk there, and that's what late uh, eighth or ninth round, something like that. So he's. Um, a good pick is like a two or maybe a third D. I wouldn't bank on him winning the Norris or anything, but he could have a huge upside and gets a lot of hits. Um, so assuming you're counting hits. He gets a lot of blocks too. Yeah, and considering his situation, he was shooting quite a bit, like not being the go-to shot guy. So It was 200, uh, 203. Oh, great. 203. A high floor and a pretty exciting upside. I think the upside is is not guaranteed, but I think, again, the floor is is great. Um, and then, yeah, Toffoli is like going at 145. So we're talking absolute zero risk. And if he finds his way onto that power play, that's fantastic. <laughs> He's, He's a gonna, right winger too. Right wing bonus. Exactly. So if you're getting a guy who might be on what has to be a very, very top end power play, um, playing pretty good minutes in a great top six there, usually shoots a lot, usually hits a lot. Um, and like I said, like, like he's going in, in way, way, way deep, right? End of the 12th, start of the 13th round. So, so yeah, zero risk. If you're getting a, a right winger there who could get you 65 70 points i'm definitely stoked i want to comment on Uyghur and his floor he over the last two years is sixth in even strength actually five on five points even strength might even be higher but uh even strength now power play is a huge part of it like you you look at the number one even strength producer kale mccarr 62 points over the last two years his totals are higher than that power play is going to do it so the floor for Uyghur over the last two years, 45-point pace this year, 55-point pace last year. Obviously, playing with Ekblad and uh, you know the high-powered offense, is that attributed to it, right? So his his even-strength partner might not be as skilled as Ekblad, but you still have a similar cast of characters that you're going to be sharing uh, even-strength ice time with. So that's his floor if he gets the power play. So this is just nothing but bonus here. If he gets the power play. So you're you're drafting him at his floor and it's still, in a way, it's value. If you're in a Cats league, it's certainly value because of the hits, the blocks, the shots. If he gets the power play, it's tremendous value because they've tried Anderson. They've tried Hannafin. Uh, Anderson seems to do it the best. No doubts there, but I think they are going to try Uyghur. He's going to get his hand at it. He's going to get a crack. So, you know, 45-point pace last year with the power play like this could this could be really interesting really really interesting i like that pick my next guy is uh vinny trocek i i don't even think this is a risk anymore because i think trocek is is pretty much a lock at this point for number one top power play to to play with artemi panarin who over the last three years is like 
putting up the same amount of points as uh, Nathan McKinnon. Not the same amount of goals, but the same amount of points. His ADP in five-hole leagues, uh, ninth round. In Yahoo, it's 154. I'm not trying to do that math right now, but it's <laughs> it's 40 picks later. So it's like three rounds later. So I guess 12th, 13th round. But let me let me let me tell you this. So Ryan Strom last year, he was on the top power play. He was playing that right hand side where Trocheck had his breakout year in Florida. He had 14 power play points. Trocheck last year on the top power play in Carolina only had 12. So like we're we're getting pretty much the same ish production there, but the difference is Carolina's power play was pretty bad. You know, if you had to pick out the weakest link on that top power play, it's Ryan Strom. Vincent Trocek is going to be a bit of an upgrade there. Even strength production with Artemi Panarin, power play production with Artemi Panarin. He was a 52-point pace player last year, 75 his first year in Carolina. I'm thinking we're touching 70 this year. And you're you're talking about getting him at close to 150 ADP in, actually past 150 ADP in, in Yahoo. You know, on average, between five-hole and Yahoo, it's 134. So we're looking at the 10th round again. Trocek there, I really like that. The hits, the blocks, the shots, all that vintage Vinny Trocek shit. I'm all for it, and I want it back. And I think we're going to get it in New York. Yeah, I agree. Carolina was a great team, but they're also a weird team. They didn't uh, seem to need him to be super offensive, whereas the Rangers, I just think they're just all about it, right? I mean, everything from Adam Fox to... A whole bunch of players in the top six there. He's it's gonna be a bump for sure, to say the least. And again, like if he gets the power play, look out. It could be a huge jump. I got one more value. I don't know. I think I'm looking at your list. I think you're done on values. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done. No more value left in the league. We're we're tapped. Uh I got one more though. And it's Wierenski, who Oh yeah. In in five hole leagues, he's going I think where he should, 65. But in Yahoo, I'm seeing him at, at 97, close to 100 ADP at this point. If you're in a Yahoo league where where you know he's hanging out there around round nine, Zach Ransky, we're think about it. He's the top power play guy. They got Johnny Gaudreau. They got Patrick Line. This is a new Columbus Blue Jackets. And I, I don't know if if the ADP in Yahoo has caught up to that yet. The idea of Wierenski in the in the ninth round is is getting my juices flowing. So Short and sweet. You guys know who Zach Ransky is. He's he's a good defenseman, especially in points leagues. And he's not actually a slouch in uh in cats leagues either because he does a little bit of everything. Uh the hits not so much. The blocks are good, the shots are real good for a defenseman here. And he scores goals, actually. He's three years removed from a twenty goal season from a defenseman in sixty three games, which was insane. He shot like ten percent, but uh hasn't really dropped that much. So he's still floating around like eight percent as an average. I, I, I really like the idea of him on that top power play. He was a 58-point pace player last year. Now we're adding Johnny Gaudreau to the top power play. I'm into it. Yeah, uh, I love it. Just another team that we kind of mentioned, like Arizona, like Columbus gets that a lot too, right? We're like, ah, oh, Columbus player, do I even want to bother looking? Um, they just have that uh, stigma about them. So Warinsky gets zero respect, and he's... Um, He's great and can only get better. Like Goudreau, Line, it just has. I know we're putting a lot of hopes into that, but it just has magic written all over it. Really, like that power play could be, could be sick. And, and I can only assume they'll play twenty three minutes of five on five together as well. So, I wonder if it's a function of 
his shortened season. Like he does, he gets hurt here and there. Now, 58 point pace, that's 48 points in 68 games. So I think maybe that's why he's getting faded a little bit. Like the the actual points are different than the pace. But if you you know the pace, you know the player, you know the team, you know the deployment. I really like Zwaranski there. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's bring it into risks here, guys that we think are a little bit risky. There's there's a ton. Um, you know, I'm looking at your list, I'm looking at my list. I wanted to throw out this guy, Andre Kuzmenko, who's who's going on to your team. Like I, I was I spent some time on Reddit today. You know, somebody's like, oh, you know, he's gonna be the next Panarin or Kaprizov. That's fucking risky, dude. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. Yeah. I, I'm not of that ilk. No. But, and a lot of people are like kind of putting him into their uh, like sleeper just because he's a, you know, Russian import. So I don't know. I'm I'm not, I'm not there for that. I mean, he's, if you want to pick him up in the last round and see what happens and you have bench slots, then fine. But it's, it doesn't happen where somebody comes into the league and out of nowhere is fucking Artemi Panarin, right? You know when that's happening. And Kuzmenko is just, he's not that kind of player. Like, we, you know, you knew when Connor McDavid was going to be Connor McDavid and yeah. Sidney Crosby was going to be Sidney Crosby. Right? Like, these players don't just all of a sudden become incredible he might be good there's that's for sure and if so he might get into the top six in vancouver which might be good so yeah if people are getting excited that's all it is is people getting excited keep him on your sleeper list he can be a last round flyer you know last few rounds take that risk that's fine that's not really a risk because those last few rounds are going to be the guys that you churn that you spend the first two weeks understanding their their role on their team and you can make the decision whether or not to drop them. The guys that aren't huge investments, Andre Kuzmenko is 26. If he was Panarin, if he was Kaprizov, he wouldn't have lasted until 26 in Russia. He would have been over here years ago. All right. Or he would have been signed. So just be pragmatic about the, the expectations there. I got Evan Bouchard as my first risky pick here. The, there's, there's a couple of reasons that I don't like him. He's going, it's going in like the ninth round, but he's going before Barry. I'm seeing Barry go at like 143, 163. So the 50-50 part of this is that you could be right. It could be Barry. It could be Bouchard right out of the gate. You know, the beginning of the season is the perfect time to try these things out. The The perfect time to see, you know, you're not waiting until the end of the year to put Evan Bouchard, you know, when games matter more and you can't dig out of a hole. So maybe it is Bouchard, but there's a risk there. He's going like, 50 picks higher than the guy that for what two years now has been the top power play guy and it just there's there's just that risk there so i just i wanted to come out and say it you could be right it could be bouchard right out of the gate if he runs and he makes it but you're you're spending a ninth round pick that if you're wrong he's winding up back on the waiver wire because you're not holding a power play two guy in edmonton and spending a ninth round pick to me that's where the risk comes in that if you're wrong so, you know, if you're comfortable spending a ninth and burning it just for that upside, the, if, if the upside hits, you you look brilliant, you know, but it is a risky pick. It is. And especially after what we just finished kind of looking at um, Uyghur, who's, you know, ADP is similar, but I think they're just drastically different defensemen in different situations. Like the downside for Bouchard is useless. 
right? Like he that that could be the downside for him. The upside could be pretty good. You know, so it's a even though in the in the similar ADP, I would be, you know, if you're in that area and looking for a D, I'd be way more after looking right around where Wierenski's going in Yahoo. That's that's uh you know, but exciting could be an exciting upside if you get him again late in the draft. But you're right, he is a risky, risky pick. Fifty fifty in my book. And you yeah. I mean you can't throw away the fact that two years ago Barry was like the leading power play defenseman in the league. He was the he had the most points out of all day, and it took him like three weeks to get going, and they kept him on the power play. But Bouchard was isn't wasn't he wasn't where he is right now. No, I mean Barry is that same guy. He hasn't all of a sudden got shitty in two years, so it could happen again. It won't, but it potentially he could be good again. Anyways, yeah, all that all that together, yeah, he's definitely a risk. My first risky pick, and someone's gonna get mad at me for, but it's actually ties into something we were just talking about. But it's Kaprizov. I don't think there's any risk of him being a bad player. He's going in our leagues and Yahoo. He's seventh. He's going ahead of Ranton. He's going ahead of Marner, Huberdo, all these guys who are like definitely incredible players. There's just between the Russia thing, between him being not a ton of proven experience in the league, I don't doubt him being good, but as being the seventh best player in the league, uh, that's to me, that's a, a lot to ask from this it is, guy. It is risky. We don't have a huge body of work on him. Um, I typically like to put guys that jump into the first round on like a one-year quarantine probation. Like, I'm not going to touch them. I'm going to wait and see how this year goes. Next year, I'll decide whether or not they are first-round material. That being said, I like Kaprizov here at seven. So, I like, but you're not wrong. It isn't clear of risk. You know what I mean? So, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, and then don't... Uh, don't start taking that as me saying Kaprasov is not good. I think he's fucking amazing. He's absolutely incredible. Don't hear what Raj isn't saying, guys. But just seventh, I mean, I mean, if I'm picking seventh overall, I want a great for sure player. He's definitely one of the best and could very well finish in the top seven for sure. No, no question. But I think there is just a bit of a risk there and when I'm seeing the other options at that time being guys like Marner and Rantanen and Huberdo, I mean, I'd, I'd throw in the right wing aspect of it, and you're looking at all things considered, I think it's it's more risky. The uh, positional scarcity. Exactly, and that's that's what the experts want. That's what the experts want. So Scarcity, not scarcity. I was violently schooled about the uh, pronunciation about this. All right. I also have a first round player inside my risks, and it's Kale McCarr. I get the positional scarcity issue. Defenseman. You want the best defenseman. Kale McCarr was not the best fantasy defenseman last year, and we're picking him, you know, his ADP right now in Yahoo is five. He's going five. <laughs> That's crazy. Over somebody who has true positional scarcity as well in Nikita Kucherov. So I'm looking at a top five ADP here of McDavid, Dreisaitl, Matthews, McKinnon, Makar, then Kaprizov, 
Rantanen, Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, Kucherov at 9.6. So if, if that happens, if you get Kuch, like I get the injuries, that whole, you know, how scary that might be. But he's still like, you know, a 120-point player. Yeah. And I'm I, I'm not afraid to say that at a right wing position, which is just as scarce. Scarce just sound. It feels so much better to say scarce. Um, what? Yeah, it, it's like envelope, envelope. You know, data, data. People say things different. People, okay. It's a bunch of <laughs> fucking no doo booted, I guess. But no anyway, so Kale McCarr, just you know, him going at five scares the crap out of me. Um, especially considering the guys that are going in round two. I'm looking at like Adam Fox's ADP of 24. So he's going at the, you know, the two turn, in fact. So, yeah. You know, even in round three, I'm looking at Roman Yossi at that same turn right around uh, Adam Fox there. And guys like Victor Hedman at 21. So I like the guys in round two just as much as I like Kale McCarr uh, without spending a first round pick. Yeah, you're sacrificing too much by not taking an elite forward. It, there's just no no do to boot it. Like, I, I I do not doubt that Kale McCarr is the best offensive defenseman in the league. Like, I don't think there's any question. Um, probably. I mean, he hasn't been yet. I mean, I think all signs point to the fucking for sure he's gonna be this year. But at the same time you're sacrificing i mean the fifth overall like scarcity aside i mean i'm sitting here looking at guys like chris letang going 44th right now you're talking about taking a d in the fourth round maybe fifth round who's going to be fairly close to makar in overall fantasy points and you're going to have four elite forwards before that, you know what I mean? Like people get too excited about, oh, Kale McCarr is the best D and defensemen are rare and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah, but you're sacrificing so much. Like the VORP, you know, like I, I, that's the argument I always hear of value over replacement. To me, the guys that are in round two are replacement players. For sure. For Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, Victor Hedman. You know, Roman Yossi, the guy that was the number one fantasy D last year. These are guys that you're getting in round two that are this, you know, better value as a replacement player in round two. So for me, Kale McCarr is on my do not draft list if I'm in the top six of a 12 man team. Back half, sure, I'll consider it. But I still like some of the forwards that are happening there, especially, well, I guess if I'm on the, the back half of a turn, I'm probably not taking, you know, an Adam Fox at like 13, 14. So the back half, I would touch Kale McCarr there and get a, you know, Artemi Panarin or one of the second round forwards in round two. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at John Carlson in round three, right? Like he's a perennial top five, Yeah, uh, usually top two or three offensively. I mean, yeah, I just think he's just not as exciting, you know, he's not flashy. You have to give up so much to get a McCarr. Um, it's probably not going to be worth it in your league, I would say. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's a risky risk you took there, uh, but I think it's correct 100%. Again, people, we're not saying these guys are bad. It's just the price you have to pay. It's Please don't hear what we're not saying. <laughs> I like Kel McCarr. He's a great fantasy defenseman. I will not be drafting him at five. Certainly not at three, Pete. 
that's a, <laughs> I'm going to pre-caveat my picks of like not saying they're bad, but they're risky. Could get risky for me walking down the street, but I think Patterson and Besser as a duo. I mean, Patterson is a guy who everyone says is amazing, never hit point per game before. Um, he has these streaks where people say he looks like Wayne Gretzky for a couple of games, you know. But again, you're looking at a guy who hasn't threatened a point per game for a season on a team that was amazing for half a season and complete garbage for half a season. And he's still going. Uh, his ADP is 39. So that's the start of round three. What do you got on Besser? Because his Yahoo ADP is like 150. And I love that. I actually have that in value. No, and I, I do like him as a, as a player and as a value thing, but just as an overall guy, he can swing. He could, in a perfect world, score 40, but he could also score 20, um, and that's all I mean by a risk. I think value-wise, he's more in line, but unfortunately, Pedersen, Pedersen has to have a perfect season to get the value you have to pay, right? 39th overall, your third pick, that's fair. And you're looking at a guy who's never hit point per game, right? You're looking at the same point production from Shifley, like, you know, what, 80 picks later? We talked about Keller, yeah. We talked about Keller, too, so I get it. And people, I'm wearing a Canucks hat. I, I love Patterson. Yeah, this was hard for you. But, yeah. Uh, but you're right, though. I, I, just in terms of production, I think Besser is risky, but in terms of ADP, it seems like people are playing the the bad end of that risk. So you might be able to get him as a good right winger late. All right, next up, I got uh, Drake Batherson. And uh, by now, it's it's for obvious reasons. The sexual assault case, it's, it's starting to get talked about, which is good. It's something that needs to get talked about. Um, the risk there is, you know, he, he, he winds up being inside this, this investigation. He be, winds up being on the wrong side of this investigation. And he's going at an ADP of 57 in our drafts and 83 in Yahoo. Now, we typically favor uh, bangs a little bit more, which Batherson brings. There's that risk. There's, the, there's a floor of suspension here at some point through the year. Now, obviously, nothing has happened yet. Uh, going into preseason, you know, everything seems quiet. This investigation is, is moving, unfortunately, very slow. But this year, Batherson, as much as I love him as a fantasy player, he'll be on my do not draft list just based on this. And that's that's hard because, you know, for the past couple of years, I've been such a, a Batherson fanboy. Yeah. Uh, just just to have this hanging over him is, is just real tough. Well, I mean, all morality, legality, everything aside, just strictly talking fantasy here. The downside is he is not allowed to play this year. Yeah. Which, if you're talking a fifth-round player, that should not be the downside. That's that's too much. And it sucks, because, yeah, he's obviously a five-hole favorite all around. It would, be, it would be fucking shitty. It would be fucking shitty. Yep. Uh, and I, yeah, I don't want to get into the losing a fifth round pick would be, would be hard to come back from, but you know, the, the things we're talking about here are so much bigger than a fifth round pick. So yeah, uh, there yeah. is draft risk there. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that totally blends into two guys I had on my risk list and it's definitely related directly to that is Stutzla and, uh, Debrinkat. I mean, that obviously changes the shuffle of lines, and 
you know, we're not trying to be immoral or whatever, but it, it could be good for Stussel, right? Cause he is a bubble player, especially getting into the power play. I mean, I think they have enough players there that he's going to end up playing with good people, but the more guys who go out, the more, the more gooder it is for Stussel. I think the reverse is true of Debrinket though, because he's obviously sort of going to be the number one go-to goal scorer there. And I think uh, he wants to spend a lot of time with Batherson there. So I just think that that throws a whole wrench into a lot. Like that's the kind of thing where if that happens, if that goes down, it's also a real downer. Like that's not like, it's not a good way to go out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's just not cool. And hopefully for everybody's sake in Ottawa and everybody involved and all that, like it's just like, which will not happen. I was going to say, hopefully it's just the legal stuff is dealt with properly and quickly and and we can you know move on from that but yeah i can only imagine that it puts a real damper on everybody in ottawa unfortunately so it's definitely put some risk on on all those guys next up i got uh, jack eichel and this one is just which kind of jack eichel do we get you know what i mean so i got eichel going 31 in our leagues, 43 and Yahoo. So we're talking about a third round pick here. Could work out, could be a value. Or actually, you know, it's hard to beat third round value at this point, but he could do it. But it is at risk. And I'm happy he's not the second round-ish because I'd feel a lot more risky about it. But uh, third round, fourth round, if you can get him in the fourth, at 43 Yahoo ADP, he's getting real close to a fourth round in a, in a like a 12-man team. So I'd feel good about that. But uh, you don't know what kind of eye call you're going to get. You know, he's going around guys like Jason Robertson, a you know, tried and true point per game guy, um, Mika Zabenejad, Gabriel Landeskog. We're taking a risk, taking a bet on Jack Eichel here in the third round over these other guys, which, um, you know, I think this lends right into your guy, too, because I was just about to talk about Johnny Gaudreau being in, in kind of the, the same range. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been kind of picking up on on these duos, right? And Line A Gaudreau is another one we're excited about. A lot of people are excited about could be amazing, but there's there's always the potential that these things just don't work. And um, if you want to say Line A Goudreau is a sure thing, there's a million ways you can make that seem like it makes sense, and I think it does. Uh, but there's there's just always a risk there. They're in Columbus, they've never played before. There's a risk. It's there's there's just a risk. You look at Goudreau a couple of years ago when he went from having what a 90 point season to a fucking what the fuck's going on season the following year when Calgary's whole team did that again, probably won't happen again, but it's happened to him before. And the same thing with uh line a has had a couple of times in his career already where it's been like, great fresh start on a new line or fresh start on a new team. And it's just like, Oh, but it didn't, nothing happened. So he's had a couple of false starts. This could very well be the one that really works out, but I'll be really sad if this one doesn't work out. I've never honestly liked Johnny Goudreau before, but there's something about this duo I think will work, but it'd be silly to pretend there's no risk involved. And I think people are, are some people are, are fading Goudreau because of the Columbus name in front of it. Other people are pretty excited about it too. So you just got to watch where these guys go. And I think, I think that's going to work out. I, uh, I love line A's ADP. Goudreau, 
you know, I could see, I could see the argument there, but uh, line A looks really good. Yeah. Goudreau's at 33. So that's again, probably a great value. And if he hits a hundred points again, that's a crazy good value. If he dips down to 70, then, you know, that's a big swing and it's, it's all potential. All right. Let's, uh, let's move into reaches here. Uh, first up for me, is uh, Jeremy Swayman. And this one is not so much in the five hole. It's it's in Yahoo. He's going um, close to like sixth round. I think it is. 73 is his ADP. I, I want to attribute this to the fact that, you know, Yahoo, you're getting a lot of uh, empty seats when it comes to the to the mock draft room and, and auto picks and guys that ghost after round three and things like that. So it, the rankings just take over and Yahoo does favor their goalies more so than the guys that you know are active the the five hole the ADP there is 167 and I think that's a little more informed I I might be okay drafting him a little higher Swayman's a good goalie but what is the ceiling good stats for 45 games where you know I'm not that's not for me inside the top 100 so uh to me Jeremy Swayman is 100% a reach in in Yahoo here yeah it seems so Another guy where he is a great, great goalie, but I think you're right. <clears throat> when it all shakes down, you got to be realistic at uh, what his share is going to be, what it's a share of, blah 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 blah. All right, I got I got a twice as many reaches as you, so I'm just going to bleed right into Jack Hughes here. If you're cool, yeah, go for it. I think Jack Hughes, we could classify him as a value. In the in the same in the same way because his five hole ADP is thirty and his Yahoo ADP is ninety three. So in Yahoo he's he's a value. He's a crazy value in in Yahoo right now. If that trend sticks, five hole we might be reaching, uh, but it also could pay off because we've seen what Jack Hughes point paces look like. If that holds true for eighty two games, if we get seventy five games, whatever, you know we're getting value there. But there is there is a little bit of a reach factor when it comes to him especially when I'm seeing him go in Yahoo at 93. So I, I don't know if that's us on five-hole uh, mock drafts reaching a little bit, but um, you know we all know and appreciate what Jack Hughes has, has put together you know, last year. This is a, a third-round pick here that you know a lot of the same things that we've said about some of the other guys that are going high, Kaprizov, Makar, you know, they did it once. Well, Makar's done it a couple times, but like, you know, Kaprizov, we had one year. Or two years, and um, you know we've we've got one year of Jack Hughes being fucking fire, and it was like half a season. So in the third round, I I will call that a bit of a reach. The likelihood of it paying off is greater than fifty percent, but there's the the like he could be a value, he could be a risk, he could be a reach, he could be a bust, he could fit into every single one of these categories here. And it, for me, just reaching in the third round there is is. Not for me, to put it lightly. Yeah, I I, I see where you're coming from. Um, I love Jack Hughes, and that's definitely... I think I've taken him in the third round, too, but like seeing the disparity kind of like, oh my God, what the what happened here? Yeah. I, I On my list here, I had Mikheyev, which just very much depends on what league you're in, and, and I just want to open that up just to say kind of Vancouver... Other than, I mean, as you just pointed out, Besser is actually a fairly good value seemingly this year. But as I was just talking about with Patterson and um, probably going to happen with Quinn Hughes as well, 
a lot of Vancouver players, people reach for. There's a few teams that are specifically sick about their own players. And <laughs> as we point out a lot on the show, it happens a ton with the Canucks. People fall in love with a Canuck and they reach a lot for them. So like looking here, like in Yahoo, he's not even on the list. <laughs> like, people in Yahoo aren't even picking him. Um, when I'm talking about Mikheyev here, um, in our FHFH drafts, he's at 183, so he's not even bad there. But I've also been in drafts because he's a dual eligible. People uh, get a bit weird about Mikheyev specifically because he was he's got the double, the double evil. He came from the Leafs and now he's on the Canucks. Yeah. So like people are just, certain people are super fanatical about him. I've been taking him as my last player when he's available, which I think is fine, but don't get all Canucky about him or like we're just, I just went on that rant about Pedersen being the same as a lot of guys with 100 ADP. So I think you could say that as a, as a whole, but given that I, I do want to just say, I think McKayev is a good risk as a last pick. Um, yeah. Uh, my last two reaches here, I got Ilya Sorokin and Trevor Zegers. Trevor Zegers is just kind of like a little itty bitty, Baby reach. Um, I was reaching to find a reach here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in five hole, he's going 88.5. Yahoo, he's going like 40 picks or 30 picks later, rather, um, at 118. So just a little bit of a five hole reach here. Uh, we've talked at length about the guys that are going in that 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 range. Uh, and every single one of the guys that I picked for my values. I would probably pick over Trevor Zegras, who I think put together a 67-point season last year, if if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and albeit that's a really good season. Yeah, 67-point pace there. Uh, I talked about Wierenski, who could hit 60 points as a defenseman. Keller, who's going way later, who put up 77 points last year. Larkin, who put up an 88, uh, 80-point pace last year. Heiskanen, who, you know, just based on the, the scarcity of uh, defensemen, you could be drafting in the same range. Uh, for me, I would I would be passing on uh, on Trevor Zegers in like the eighth round, and then uh, Sorokin. This one's just I think it's just Yahoo going crazy with their with their rankings. He's going uh, second round or third round, early third at twenty eight point six in Yahoo and seventy one in five hole. I think it's a little more pragmatic, him being closer to like 60, 70. He's going to be a good goalie. He saw 53 games last year. He's probably going to see around the gate the, the same. New York doesn't have that crazy shit road trip to start the season. So there's a good chance for them to uh, hit the ground running and, and kind of build on what they had going before last year. Because, you know, they were they were Eastern Conference Finals for a long time. Like, we haven't seen that kind of fall. Montreal did it which was amazing because we were talking about Petrie as like this crazy steal uh, without Shea Weber last year. And then they are the worst team. They go from Stanley Cup to worst team. The next closest was the New York Islanders. They The bottom fell out and it was weird and I don't buy it. So, you know, new coach, new voice. I like Sorokin, but I don't like him as an early third round pick in Yahoo. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that's I think that's rich. Um, I actually have two more because um, I just found another one. David Perron. And I'm going to also say it's a risk uh, or a reach 
I'm probably going to be making myself. In in five hole, he's coming in at 108, whereas in Yahoo, he is 152. Yeah, so, I'd, li- I'd like him there. So a huge, huge disparity there. Um, I think 108 is is pretty high. Yeah, ninth round pick. Again, we're talking about guys that we we talked about in our values, like Marchesso, Sagan, Shabbat, Uyghur, Toffoli, Trocek, Keller, Larkin. All these guys going ahead, or going after, actually. There's a few guys in that list I would rather have than Perron. But on the flip side, if you're if you're looking at 150, I mean, now you're talking, that's a great value. So Perron seems to be one of those guys where there is a can be a wide, wide range in where he's picked, so... If you're playing with five hole folks, he's probably getting maybe overdrafted. If you're playing with your with your normal friends, uh, you're probably going to be able to pick him up in one of the later, you know, twelfth round ish. The the problem with Perron that I have is he's a he's a power play merchant. He's almost like a Tyson Berry as a forward. Like half of his points were on the power play um, in St. Louis. So, you know, you're moving to Detroit. It's a good situation, but it's not as good as, as St. Louis. So, you know, 70-point pace last year, obviously 57 points. You know, he, he wasn't able to complete a season, but I don't know. It, it does feel rich in the ninth when we're talking about guys like Marcheseau going around later that are just so much more appealing. Like, I would rather reach around earlier for Marcheseau than take a swing on Perron in the ninth. 100%. 100%. Now, this the last one, which I just noticed, is kind of the reverse of that, which is Claude Giroux. In our leagues, he's going at 100, which he could have a, he could have a great season, uh, but he is, you know, old. Uh, but in Yahoo, he's going at 54. So he's going uh, a lot, 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 lot earlier in, in a lot of leagues. So I would not be making making a big reach. Like, it seems like... I, I, don't, I don't know if that's a weird auto draft because of his ranking or something or if that's just noobs being super excited in ottawa or something but that's that's crazy shiny new toy that whole factor really plays like i noticed nhl.com does it a lot as soon as somebody gets traded boom hype train you know leaves the station yahoo kind of does the same thing a little bit who's a 70 point pace what round four though come on for Giroux. yeah oh that's yeah that's way too high way too high yeah i think there's there's definitely a hype train going on there um he had a good season right but he he hasn't had a great season since 2018-19 so like he hasn't had a round four season since 18-19 and 2017-18 so uh definitely a reach there all right busts i got uh three of them and then basically all goalies by yahoo and it looks like you, you do too. It says D or goalies in round one. Yeah, and then, yeah, uh, that's to me, no matter how good they are, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think, I, I wouldn't even say I don't think. From all of the research, you've done a ton of research this offseason into actual results and actual things that happen in real life drafts and all that. And it just doesn't usually ever work out for a D or a G to be good option in round one. Like for a while, everyone had Vazzy in that spot. And I don't know. I mean, that's what's, that's basically what spurred the whole zero G movement is like, 
yeah, he's probably definitely the best goalie in the world. Kale McCarr is probably the best defenseman in the world, but it's not what you're talking about here. Just when you break it all down, this is fantasy hockey, and you forwards are the best at fantasy hockey. There's no question about it. And you're not taking an elite person, an elite at the most elite position for fantasy to take someone with just doesn't have the same upside and it's, you know, scarcity aside, it's just not usually, not usually a good idea. So I'd say any D or or goalie in the first round is a bust. My first bust. And again, I want to preface everything by saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying Chris Kreider is bad. (laughs) I'm just saying he is not a third round pick. He is going at an ADP of 26 in Yahoo. Do not take Chris Kreider in your third round. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I won't. Yeah, really. don't, I won't. don't really need to say much more to that. No, I won't be doing that myself. Um, and for, for myself, honestly, I don't feel the need to explain any of my busts here. So I'll just say them. <laughs> I, I mean, like Duchesne, if you're thinking last year was Duchesne. I had him too. I had him real, too. That's not Duchesne in real life. That's... A weird thing that happened in Nashville last year, and great for all of them, but that's not happening again. So, Duchesne is just going to be a bust. Uh, Pacioretty, you know, he's going to be hurt for a yeah. long time. So, if you got a bunch of IR spots, I could get, I could get behind it. But I mean, what's Chris Kreider is? Uh, he's going fifty forty six picks later in five hole. Pacioretty is going. Uh, I I wonder if like. I don't even know because Yahoo ADPs, they opened like two weeks ago. So we have two weeks of data. I'm pretty sure Pacioretty has been hurt for a large part of that two weeks. I'm not certain. So don't quote me on that. But his he's going 22 picks later in five-hole drafts. Um, and I guarantee as soon as that news came out, he, he stopped going in our drafts. Stopped. Uh, but 54 in Yahoo. What's that fourth-round pick? That's Don't do it. Crazy. And then Matt Duchesne, man, he uh, he's going seventy four in Yahoo. So what's that, sixth round, something like that? I mean, it's not insane, but it is. Like, there's just so many better players who are definitely better than him. That's all, you know. <laughs> I guess I think that is kind of insane. Yeah. Congratulations on a great year, Matt uh, Duchesne. But it's not happening again, buddy. Duchesne and Kreider were both like the most highly unsustainable players last year. Every single episode for the Tuesday trends, we were like, nah, this, I don't buy it. It's not happening. And then it did. So, uh, you know, the chances of that happening after four months of a layoff is the momentum is probably gone. So I, you know, Kreider, Duchesne, anybody that was unsustainable last year, you could pretty much guarantee that they're going to be a bust this year. Uh, just based on where they're being drafted. Kreider at, in round three just made me, it made me shit. And I didn't, I didn't like it. <laughs> it was not a good <laughs> shit. It wasn't. So yeah. uh, that's it. That's, that's all we got. Um, let us know your guys. Like if, if you guys have uh, particular values, hit us up on Twitter. I'd love to hear it. Or, you know, if you're afraid of your league mates seeing it, shoot us a DM or whatever. Our DMs are open and uh, I'll give you my take on, on that player so that is it thank you for staying with us through the long episode here we got some bonus content today but uh later on this week i got an interview with cat silverman hitting your feeds and then next week when zach gets back from colorado 
we're going to be back into the rankings. And then we got our fantasy crash course, which, uh, you know, actually, you know, I'll do a little shill for that. We're crowdsourcing, you know, stuff for this, this fantasy crash course. If you're a new GM, just getting into fantasy hockey, if you're a, you know, intermediate or a veteran guy that, that just straight up has a question, think about this as like a general mailbag. We're not looking for league specific, like who do I keep in, in my league? Uh, no esoteric questions. So, but we do want questions that are like, uh, what do you think of stacks? What do you, uh, how do you evaluate a player? You know, general questions like that. How do you know when it's time to cut bait with, with somebody? How do you set up a league? What's good settings? What settings do you like? Not like um, that, you know, general general questions. I think it's fair to say it would be nice to hear from um, newer GMs with some more general questions. We spend a lot of time deep diving into heavy nerddom. And so any anyone who's, you know, has more general questions, like you mentioned, how to set up a league, what are good scoring settings, anything like that, I think is fair game. Um, I th- believe we're going to spend at least a couple episodes on this. So yeah. Um, yep. We got, we got two of them lined up, you know, question. I got, I got a couple here. Like we're, we're going to get into positional scarcity, scarcity and, uh, and value over replacement and then what that kind of means and how you should apply it to your drafts. What zero G is. I got an audio clip from zero G's namesake, uh, Nate Grudimblank, who, uh, you know, apples and genos, those guys over there, they, um, they sent us like a really good TLDR of, uh, zero G and, uh, what reaching is what like punting categories is and and how that's beneficial or you know churn and burn how much of your drafted roster should should you be like planning to stream out and you know streaming exploiting the schedule roster maximization all these little nuances that that uh entry-level gms don't really have uh under their belt like we want to we want to find you guys we want to help you out we want to get some questions for the intermediate for the veteran guys um we're not doing dynasty questions on this one we did our dynasty series so this one's just going to be redraft hit us up you know this is a mailbag so chirp us on twitter at fhf hockey hit us up in the fantasy hockey discord we got a channel specifically for this so drop them in there until next time we love you love you